Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. I'm Jude. How you doing, Trey? I'm doing pretty good. We got lucky last week that we were able to jump an episode ahead to discuss some current Marvel news, and we're in time again for some more Marvel casting news. It seems like they're coming in waves right now. Right? It seems like for so long we were in a drought and everything is just kind of like slowly trickling out. Yeah, although I, I do find it fascinating. I don't know which meme it was, but it was this whole bit of like, we're going to give you WandaVision trailer in the 2020 and then shortly thereafter put Black Widow at May. <laughs> you know that's just okay. kind of swapping things around yeah that's okay i'll take it mm-hmm. anything at this point so yeah one of the bigger news that we have is that we finally have our kamala khan for miss marvel which is an actress by the name of iman Vellani. right this is um, as, uh go ahead i was gonna say as far as i can tell we were we were talking about this before we jumped onto the mic i think this is going to be her first role ever because there's no other credits listed on imdb Right. What I find what I find fascinating is Marvel and Kevin Feige has earned our trust. They've done such a good job, you know, in the casting and, and putting this universe together that we'll take it. Uh, at this point, you kind of feel like, man, to go with somebody who has nothing to their name, you know, mm-hmm. when you're this far in the game. And and we talked about this with with each step. It feels like the pressure builds to to do something well. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with that because I think Miss Marvel's supposed to show up first in Captain Marvel before Disney Plus. That I didn't know. That's I, pretty cool. I think so. I think so. Uh, well, that makes sense because because Marvel has pretty has a pretty good track record of setting a character in a previous established role and then branching them off to do their own thing. So that makes sense. Right. And you've read some of the Miss Marvel comics, right? I have, yeah. That's actually the most amount of comics that I've read overall. Yeah, and and so as you can say, it also makes sense just from the standpoint of how much Kamala Khan uh, idolizes Carol Danvers. Mm-hmm. So another one of the big casting news that we got this week as well is it seems as though Jamie Foxx will be returning to the role of Electro, but this time in the MCU instead of the Andrew Garfield series. I have mixed feelings. I have mixed feelings. And and to be honest, it's not because of Jamie Foxx. It's not because I've still not seen Amazing Spider-Man 2. And at this point, I don't feel like I should see it. Um, Uh But now I feel like they're making me see it. (laughs) Well, I think I can assuage your fears a little bit because... And again, I know I'm writing the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man's pretty hard. They have some cool qualities about them. I I just didn't enjoy them overall. So I'm trying... I don't want to lean too hard into that. Right. But um, Jamie Foxx put out an Instagram post where he was talking about returning to the role. And I think he had like a line in there that said, this time I won't be blue. So mm. I think they are distancing the 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 way that he was represented in The Amazing Spider-Man to what's going to be in the MCU. So I don't think it's going to be like just lifting him from one universe to the next. Yeah. And I guess that's just where I'm confused. And I'll just need to read it, you know, and research a little bit more. Um and just see how it plays out. Is this like WandaVision is going to, and Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness, is this going to like open up this previous Sony and Fox worlds to the MCU and they're going to play with that? Or is he just reprising the role, but it's com- like, we liked you enough that we want you to do it again, 
uh, almost like what we said about Daredevil. Like we want, mm-hmm. you know, Charlie Cox to be Matt Murdock again, but we're not going to, you know, have anything to do the- with the previous stuff. I, I'm really curious yeah. which way they go. I mean, it's almost kind of like what, I mean, I know it's only like a brief look, similar to what they did with J.K. Simmons, bringing him in as yeah. J. Jonah Jameson yeah. in Spider-Man. So, Well, you know what? Um, I that That doesn't mean it can't be the same J.K. That's the thing. That's why, you know. Actually, yeah, I think I'm swinging back more to your point. This could be a, a merging of multiverses of the different Spider-Men. Yeah, so like I, I'm just, uh, I don't be wrong. I loved Into the Spider-Verse. I love Spider-Man. I love to see it, a live action of it. Uh, I'd like to get Spider Gwen in there and you know some others uh, beforehand, mm-hmm. but you know and don't don't we have Spider Woman coming as well? This I really think could so. be. Yeah, I man, I think you might be right. Maybe it's one of those red herrings where this is going to be this incarnation of Electro, but maybe that doesn't mean that they can't somehow bring in the Amazing Spider Man one as well if things start to mix. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm excited. Me too. So. That's going to bring us to today's topic. You know, one of the things we were talking about in here at the beginning is some of these casting choices. Um, We've been lucky as Marvel fans how well these characters have been casted. Um, I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is Tony Stark. Uh, Chris Evans is Steve Rogers. Like, the casting has been phenomenal, which a lot of of that can be attributed to Sarah Finn. Um, So one of the things we thought would be fun today would to be look into a sort of what-if alternative universe if some of the other people that were in the talks for the roles had got it instead. Right. So uh, I think the the jumping off point that we're going to have is, I think, one that's pretty well known is Emily Blunt and John Krasinski. Yeah. Well, and I think it's that's a good jumping off point because so much of the fan casting for the longest time has had them as Reed and Sue Richards. Mm-hmm. Um you know, and it's the there's some YouTube videos, YouTubers that I watch that they've been doing fan casting, uh, and one in particular that's just every it, man, almost every video he's done, he's been through the X Men team, he's going through potential Marvel villains, like I'm like, wow, you're he does such a good job with it, um, and when I watched his Fantastic Four video, I was thinking, okay, you're gonna give me something different, and nope, it went right to those two. It's almost to this point where I think people have just taken it as fact that uh, Emily Blunt right. and John Krasinski are going to be um, Sue and Reed Richards. Well, I think John Krasinski even kind of alluded to it in like his COVID YouTube videos or something that he was doing. Uh-huh. Um, I don't remember exactly what it's called. I should. <laughs> but <laughs> but like but like he even hinted at it, you know, uh, not, hey, I'm casted, but like like he's aware that that's out there. Mm-hmm. You know, the the photoshopped of him is Reed Richards. It's always fun when actors kind of play a nod to it. Um, I mean, the, another famous example would be Donald Glover with the whole Spider-Man campaign. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He leaned in heavily to that. That's cool to see that John Krasinski's doing the same. Well, and there's a number of times you see actors lobbying, you know, for a part mm-hmm. and kind of getting behind that. They're like, yeah, I would love to do that. So as the jumping off point, we, we're singling out John Krasinski. Um you know, there is a universe out there in which John Krasinski was going to be Steve Rogers. He was going to be Captain America. I think um, in some of the articles that I was reading at, it was almost a sure shot until Chris Evans came along and nailed the role. Right. One of the things I find interesting, um, now I want to say this up front. We have 
you know, the sources we researched out and we're kind of doing this off of like John Krasinski and Emily Blunt is almost common knowledge for these two. Mm-hmm. Um, some others are interesting and it's always hard to tell when, when you see these resources, um, which ones are actual and which one's not and what's the actual story. You know, so I just want to be upfront there because one of the things I saw about John Krasinski was it it kind of led us to believe that he didn't think he was right for the part after seeing Chris Hemsworth, like all ripped uh-huh. as Thor. And I don't know how accurate that is. Well, he was on a late night talk show recounting that story. So really? OK, I, I, so. So, yeah, I've. You know, everything can be embellished as well. And I'm glad you brought up that point about how there are different sources. And the truth is, we're never really going to know the definitive truth. Um, But we can always link to the stuff, the articles that we were looking at. But as far as this case, if we want to take John Krasinski at his word, I mean, he talked about how, like, he saw Chris Hemsworth and then he was like, he was trying to put on the Captain America suit and he just did not feel like he embodied that role. Well, you know what I find fascinating about John Krasinski? Every time I hear him or see him, two things come to mind. And, and so, like, in my head, I have him typecast as uh, whoever he plays in The Office. Mm-hmm. And that's what's weird to me, is that I have him typecast Jim? to that, because I don't watch The Office. You know, you know, I was like, wait a minute, how does he not know Jim Halpert? I was waiting for this drop. I didn't know you didn't watch The Office. Right. So, like, I don't watch The Office, but so, like, I don't, can't figure out exactly why I have him in my mind typecast to that. But in more, really... and it, Yeah. I think it's just more because I, I imagine him in a comedic role. Right. And it's, it's so hard whenever an actor becomes known for that comedic role. Because like you say, you typecast him in your mind. Um, you know, for me, it, it's always easy to see him as Jim Halpert. But we've seen so many instances where a comedic actor takes a dip into drama or more serious roles and they just nail it. I mean, look at, uh, well, right. another one you don't like, uh, Breaking Bad. Uh, with Brian Cranston. He was in Malcolm in the Middle, a uh, very comedic character, and then probably, in my opinion, played one of the coolest characters in TV. You know what? I mean, in fairness to me, we don't have time but I'm to get me to get into my thoughts on Breaking Bad, but, you know, it's I'm not a huge fan of it. I recognize why it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to do a say, episode of it. <laughs> yeah, I will say, though, and, and then the flip side, Michael Pena, who played Luis in Ant-Man, Mm-hmm. Like leading up to that, he is known more for dramatic roles, mm-hmm. you know, and and that kind of acting, or at least my experience of him. And then you get him an Ant Man, mm-hmm. uh, which is a turn for him. Going back to this idea of typecasting, um, you know, we talked about how it's it's hard not to see John Krasinski as Jim Halpert, but you know, he's done some pretty action heavy roles that I think he's kind of, cause I mean, he played it smart. I don't think he jumped into anything super quickly after the office. Uh, I think the biggest movie that he was in afterwards was 13 hours, the, the Benghazi movie. He bulked up for that. And I mean, I took him seriously in that role. Like I could see him as that character. I didn't see Jim Halpert. And then I think a more easier example to point to was the quiet place. Um, I, did you ever see that? You know what? I didn't see The Quiet Place. So where my head went to was um, Tom Clancy's Jack Ryan on Amazon I Prime. I he was in that. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. Um, like, I should watch A Quiet Place. You sh- should not maybe watch Jack Ryan. 
man. Well, okay. You should. I have nothing to say about Jack Ryan, but you should definitely watch A Quiet Place. It's incredible. Yeah, that, that is something I want to see. Uh, no, I mean, in fairness to Jack Ryan, it's season two is not something you should watch. Season one is good. Okay. So, um, but but even watching that, you know, I say the other place I get my, my stereotype of, you know, my typecasting of John Krasinski is seeing him on the show Lip Sync Battle when he went head to head with Anna Kendrick. Uh-huh. And again, he, he was just so naturally funny mm-hmm. and you, you know what I mean? Uh, and on that show and, and his performance, that is just, it was just hard to like imagine him, you know, it's, it's hard. It's hard to imagine him giving that line of like, if you die, walk it off. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, like kind of, kind of line or like the end of the, about to do the time travel, um, in-game speech, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and it's just hard to imagine him delivering those lines. Right. And, you know, I, I'm kind of thinking of this because, I mean, the whole premise of our episode is what if, uh, you know, all these examples that we listed, like we knew he had the comedic chops in him, obviously because of The Office. You were talking about the lip sync battle and how he was just incredibly naturally funny. If, let's say he does take the Captain America role, he doesn't do 13 Hours, Jack Ryan, the quiet place. So we never see him build up to the more dramatic action oriented side. Right. So I wonder, does he get that if he doesn't do those movies or was it always in him? And we just would have seen that as Captain America, if that would have been the future we were living in. Oh man. That's hard to tell. Yeah. That's really hard to tell. Cause I mean, you bring up a good point, like the, the in-game speech or the walk it off, um, or even the speech in winter soldier about the, the price of freedom has always been high, but I've, I'm willing to pay it. Right. I don't know if before, if, if I never would have seen him in a quiet place or, or 13 hours, I don't know if I would be able to take him seriously doing that. Uh, just knowing what I know from the office. Yeah, no, that, and, um, and having not seen those, I I think it's fair to, and keep in mind, like go, go back to Jack Ryan, like he's a CIA analyst. So there's like intelligence involved, right? Like, like an intelligent character, you, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, as a CIA, CIA analyst. But he's a CIA analyst. That Jack Ryan, like if you read the Tom Clancy books, unbelievable detail in the Clancy books, and he is truly an analyst. He's not, you know, a special ops guy, you know. Uh, I think he's former, before he becomes an analyst, he's former military. So, like, there's the training, but, but we're not talking, you know, Captain America level type of character, if, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so so that one's interesting. Now we did mention Emily Blunt. Mm-hmm. She, from what I understand, she actually turned down the role of Black Widow uh, due to scheduling conflicts, mm-hmm. and I think she also turned down the role of Peggy Carter. Right. And so whenever I was going through and writing my notes, it's really funny to me. I had two two initial reactions. Uh, regarding the the her almost being Peggy Carter and Captain America the First Avenger, my first thought was, man, it would have been an incredible waste if Emily Blunt would have been Peggy Carter because that would have locked her into that time era, right? And then my next thought was like, well, man, I'm really bummed with uh, Haley Atwell who is also stuck in that time era, and I wish we could have mm-hmm. seen more of her. Um, oh yeah, in the MCU as well. Yeah, but it. it it's hard to imagine because do 
I guess this is where my line of thinking is right now. Do we get the Agent Carter TV show if it would have been Emily Blunt? Hmm. Well, well, you run in, well, you run into, again, the what if. Um, so just, just looking at it, like, it, it was scheduling conflict. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the scheduling conflict was, oh, what's the movie with Tom Cruise? Live, Die, Repeat, or Edge of Tomorrow, depending on, it's another Birds of Prey situation. It's where another they kept Birds of Prey. Depending, <laughs> yeah. But I think it was that one. Which, I, I'm, yeah. To be honest. I'm much more happy that she did that than potentially being in the MCU at that early. Yeah, so hang on. That was Edge of Tomorrow was 2014. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe it wasn't that one. When did Iron Man 2 come out? 2010? Uh, Avengers is 2012. So Thor and Captain America would have been 2011. Yeah, it was 20... So So, so yeah, it was like 2010, 2011. We just did an episode of this. Um, how do we, how do we not know? Uh, It's 2020. Time is meaningless. We can't remember anything. (laughs) Oh man. There's so much stuff that's meaningless in 2020, but okay. Um, (laughs) but yeah. Okay. So, so when I'm looking at this of like what came out first off, she's super busy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like she played a young, the young Victoria, uh, queen Victoria and the young Victoria in 2009, she had a part in The Wolfman in 2010, part in some movie called Wild Target in 2010, Gulliver's Travels in 2010, uh, did the voice of Juliet in Romeo and Juliet, great animated movie, by the way, in 2011. The Is adjustment... that sarcasm? No, 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 it's fantastic. Wow. It's seriously fantastic. Romeo and Juliet? I've never seen it. Oh my gosh, it's so good. The Adjustment Bureau in 2011, there's another, dear lord, one, two, three three, four more movies in 2011. She's a busy actress. Yeah. And, and a lot of the stuff I'm looking at is like, it's like, wow. Like it's not like, Oh, here's something I know. Like a lot of the stuff is stuff that I've heard of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not like, Oh, here's something I know. And here's a string of things that you never heard of. You, you know what I mean? So in that way, it, man, it's probably again, one of those, Oh, I guess it's best. You know, for her career-wise, because that's that's one of the things we have our plan. So I don't want to veer from our plan, but that's one of the things when we're looking at it, where some actors didn't want the commitment of what the MCU entails in a shared universe. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I don't know if she has necessarily the time in something like this in a shared universe, uh, or gets the same roles. So it, it it's hard to say, like, I'm glad, you know, that it didn't work out, uh, if that makes sense. Um, but in some way, and, even, and there's a quote here that, that said, you know, um, I don't think I would, it, just a quote, it was like, after The Quiet Place came out, I don't think I would have been able to do a lot of the projects that I love doing, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so so it's it's one of those things that's interesting of, like, John Krasansky and Emily Blunt in particular, their career was still able to take off and blossom Mm -hmm. without getting these roles. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Where there's probably some people, actually when I think about about it, not the ones we plan on talking about, but there's probably some people on here that like, well, let's just use this. We don't really plan on talking about Spider-Man right now, Mm -hmm. but look at what happened to Tom Holland after getting Spider-Man 
And while a couple of the people were known, they probably would have been even more so after Spider-Man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's not to say that their career can't blow up either. Um, But but it's definitely, especially if you're going for a lesser known, this can really make you. I think it's it's fair to say that the MCU can be an accelerant uh, towards uh, a person's career uh, at kind of putting them out there more. Yeah. You know, you were talking about how actors being afraid of the commitment to, you know, sometimes this 10-year commitment, multi-picture deals. You know, I think it's safe to say, aside from a few exceptions, one of the strongest aspects about the MCU is that continuity in the actors and actresses. Like, the fact that they have stayed with it for so long is incredible. And so if Emily Blunt would have been cast as Peggy Carter, even though I I felt like it was a detriment because she would have been stuck to that time era, that probably would have worked out in her favor regarding her going off and trying to do other projects as well, as you've listed how busy she is. But, you know, we also mentioned she was almost Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff. Mm -hmm. And Natasha had a much more involved role throughout the MCU. And if they would have gone with Emily Blunt, you know, in that initial, well, I don't know if it was the initial reaction, but if, if we lived in a world where Emily Blunt became Natasha Romanoff, I, there's a potential given all the, the work that she tried to do that there would have been a recast for Natasha Romanoff, which would have been, you know, a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. It would either have been a recast or those other projects she doesn't do, you mm-hmm. know, because um, let's see what we got. Black well, I, Widow I, was in Iron Man 2, Avengers... Winter Soldier, doing this off the top of my head, Age of Ultron, Civil War, and then the last two Avengers, you know? Um, And just because she hasn't had her solo movie yet, Mm -hmm. damn COVID, um, (laughs) because because she hasn't had her solo movie yet, she's still been in a lot of movies, you know, and and been busy, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of projects. So from there, I think another interesting uh, what-if point uh, would be none other than Iron Man. Um, We've got a couple different actors that were in talks to be Iron Man, and, you know, Tom Cruise and Sam Rockwell were among them. Right. I think Tom Cruise is the first one to mention. Um, I remember, you know, I, I say I remember. Now I'm trying to talk about it, and I don't remember. Uh, There's a magazine I used to get at Walmart, um, and I don't remember the name of the magazine, but it was something that had to do with, like, sci-fi. And in particular, it talked about sci-fi TV shows, sci-fi movies. And in the back section, there was always, like, this little write-up about stuff that's in development or in production or in post-production. So, like, I was able to kind of keep track of, of the things coming out. And for the longest time, in each issue, and, you know, give you an idea, I'd go to Walmart once a week just to make sure I got this magazine. And each issue in the back, they had a little box for Iron Man. And they always said in development, and it always had Tom Cruise's name next to it. So I think his name, and to give you an idea, this is, we're talking 98, 99, year-wise. Mm-hmm. So his name was attached to it for a long time. I had no idea that Iron Man was in development that long, like from 98, 99. Um, that's crazy to me to think about. Like, because I mean, I already mentioned how I was not interested in Iron Man when the first trailer dropped, but it's never occurred to me to think about like, 
there was probably a long lead up to getting that movie off the ground. And that's just oh, yeah. interesting to hear you contextualize that for me. Yeah. And so so in that sense, like for the longest time and, you know, a late teen Jude brain, it was Tom Cruise is going to be Iron Man, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, A, I was excited to see that finally. It was excited to see that movie finally get made. You know, because it, it reached a point where, like, I'd stopped getting that magazine and so on and so forth. This is years later, and it's like having that memory of, like, man, so long I saw it in development. And in some ways, I was actually surprised that it was Robert Downey Jr. Because mm-hmm. uh, cause I had that memory of that magazine in my head. Yeah. It's interesting. I'm I'm torn in, in kind of trying to visualize this alternative universe where Tom Cruise is Iron Man. Is it? I, I don't think it's. It, I mean, I think it's fair to say that Tom Cruise is problematic, uh, given some affiliations with Scientology and everything. But I, I'd be lying if I said I, I didn't enjoy his movies. Uh, his his Mission Impossible movies, I lose Tom Cruise in those characters. Like he just becomes somebody else. Like I'm, I'm right. just blown away. But for whatever reason, I just can't picture him as Tony Stark. Like, I know he probably would have nailed it. Um, this is something I think that will, will be something we reference as we do more actors that could have been in these roles. There's just some nebulous reason for certain actors that just don't feel like they can mesh in a larger connected world. And for whatever reason, that's Tom Cruise for me. Like, I, I'm sure he would have been a great Tony Stark. I don't think he could have been a great Tony Stark in a world that's connected with other heroes. Oh, yeah. Well, it's interesting because going back to what I'm, you know, kind of the case I made with John Krasinski, I'm trying to imagine Tom Cruise delivering the line at the end of Iron Man 1, right? The first Iron Man, I am Iron Man. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just don't see it. Mm -hmm. The line, yeah, I can fly. I'm like, no, I can see that one. So, yeah. so that, that's where there's conflict. Cause I'm with you as well. Like mission impossible movies are fun to watch. They're good. I would love to see the second top gun. I don't know what I saw two trailers for it. And I forgot I loved that was the, coming out. <laughs> yeah. Right. Thank you. COVID. COVID. Uh, goddamn. I know. Um, but like, is this just a bashing COVID episode? I guess. Uh, I feel like, like it, but like I, yeah, like I loved that movie growing up. Um, excited to finally get a sequel and it doesn't even have to be good. I'm going to go see it anyways, kind of thing, just for, mm-hmm. you know, nostalgia's sake. So, yeah, I just, I don't, so some lines, I just, I just don't see it. I mean, and your point of like the whole mesh universe, you know, it takes a certain chemistry to make this work mm-hmm. really well. Um, and you get the sense that like even, off screen that they enjoy each other um so so in that way and not to say tom cruise wouldn't enjoy each other but let's be honest like tom cruise is a movie star Mm -hmm. right like he is i mean not that robert downey jr isn't but he had to kind of beg and plead a little bit to get and john favreau had to kind of fight for him to get him to be iron man Whereas Tom Cruise already was an A-list guy. Mm-hmm. And in that way, it it's... And maybe I'm just projecting my perceptions, but it's just like, I don't know 
if you see him doing the same things Robert Downey Jr. did for Marvel all over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe so. I mean, he's stuck with the Mission Impossible franchise, so maybe so. Yeah, I mean, when he's dedicated to a role, I mean, he's, I mean, it takes a special kind of person to hang on to a side of a plane for a movie. So I, I feel like maybe there's a potential for him if he gotten if he fell in love with MCU. Right. But, you know, you were kind of bringing on this idea of how Robert Downey Jr., they had to, like, fight for him to be in the role. Um, and mm-hmm. we've even talked about it before. Like, I believe Terrence Howard was the most, uh, the highest paid actor on that movie. And I'm sure they kind of got away with not paying Robert Downey Jr. as much. What is, what, the money they saved there goes into, to, I don't know, this is me uh, armchair quarterbacking, but I'm assuming some of that money gets put back into the movie with special effects and stuff like that. If you have someone yeah. like Tom Cruise who has a higher you know, salary, does that movie still come out as good as it, it did? I mean, we praised how well it looked all these years later. Yeah, that's true. I mean, um, I mean, I hate to say it, there's sometimes I show a movie to my students and uh, there's actually one movie, in, I'm not going to name it, one movie in particular that I show that, this lady starts crying um, and they all look at me and I'm like, Hey, look, clearly the budget went elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, after we're done recording, tell me what movie. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I will. But yeah, it, but it's just like, you're looking, you're like, Oh my gosh. Uh, and it's weird. Cause it's a, it's a decent, it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think that's a good point. I mean, that budget, it goes it goes places and the more you pay to an actor theory less to other places and mm-hmm. they didn't really i don't know what the iron man budget was actually off the top of my head now that i say this but i know with confidence it's not what say iron man 3 or any of the avengers or civil wars budget was you know oh right yeah uh, you know th- thinking of the other movies he was in so mm-hmm. So shifting gears a little bit, staying with Iron Man, but going on to the other actor we talked about, Sam Rockwell was another one that was in the running to be Iron Man. And, you know, you were talking about this idea of meshing in a larger connected world. There is this on and off screen chemistry. Um, And so far, the actors we've been talking about have been actors that didn't make it into the MCU, but Sam Rockwell did. He is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So what's interesting is Sam Rockwell never actually auditioned. Um, he was asked, though. John Favreau asked him to audition. And the to when Rockwell talks about it, um, he says, quote, and whatever happened, I think I was out of the running. Robert just killed it, you know, and I never heard anything after that. So it sounds like he got asked, but after, you know, other auditions, it never happened. But then for Iron Man 2, Rockwell says, quote, so in a way, I think John Favreau was basically saying, this is your chance to be Tony Stark. This will be your version of Tony Stark. Um, and when you think about it, like Justin Hammer is Tony Stark, like or a Tony Stark wannabe, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so in, in that way, thinking about that, it does make me wonder, seeing what Sam Rockwell did, whom I love, by the way, as an actor, I wonder what his take on Stark would have been. Yeah. You know, just, see, just seeing what he did with Hammer. So I want to be careful here because obviously I don't want to ascribe feelings to somebody I've never met. But there's got to be some deep-seated rivalry in there for like, you know, he was asked to audition as Tony Stark, didn't get the role. But he ends up getting the role Justin Hammer, like you said, who is, you know, 
um, the best way that I can feel to put it is it's like little brother syndrome to Tony Stark. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, I wonder how much Sam can draw on that to, to bring that to the role because there, there is that feeling like this is him. Like it's hard because I love the scene where he comes out dancing. Oh, okay. So real quick, as you're about to say that, uh, brother Daniel, uh, he said that when he, whenever he gets married, he wants to do that dance at his wedding reception. We are holding that him to that. I will. <laughs> I need to see this. Yeah, <laughs> I know he listens, so I will be expecting yeah. this. <laughs> oh, trust me. He. I remember him telling me that, and I've never forgot. And when it happens, he's doing. Does the he dance. hope you forget? <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't know if he hopes he forget. If I, I don't know if he hopes that I forget. Uh, but I have not forgotten. I hope he's practicing. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> well, now I don't want to say what I was going to say. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, it's an amazing dance. I love it. Yeah, It's an amazing dance. So don't get me wrong. As a viewer, I love that scene. But if you kind of try and stay within the universe, that is somebody who's trying so hard to be as flashy as Tony Stark. And oh, yeah. I think, and it's just like, it's, it's, yeah, it's so fitting that he was almost Tony Stark. I love it. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. Like, it is very much... Again, it's that that Tony Stark wannabe. Well, in a weird way, you know, well, we talked about Obadiah and the jealousy Obadiah had of him, right? Uh-huh. Um, but it, it's Justin Hammer's jealousy. And I, I don't want to go down too far this way. Because I want to save some of this for the Iron Man review, but Justin Hammer's jealousy is a completely different type of jealousy that Sam Rockwell pulls off. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, I was searching him up on IMDb. I think the first thing I saw, the first thing I remember seeing Sam Rockwell in was Charlie's Angels. Wow, I didn't even know he was in that. I've seen Charlie's Angels, but I I didn't know him well enough to know. Yeah, um, I. He's been in other stuff, like, and Moon. I didn't realize he was in a, in other things, uh-huh. like be- before then. But but that was the first time I remember seeing him. The first time I remember Sam Rockwell's name being like front and center for me, like some like oh man, he's amazing, was in Moon. Um, okay, that was the first I did time I not see Moon. I wanted very... to see it, and I did not. It's good. You should check it out. I like it a lot. Okay, yeah, like. That yeah, that was definitely something I was interested in at the time, uh-huh. uh, but did not did not venture down that road, and I should have. Okay, phew. I was trying to look. Uh, I, Moon came out in two thousand nine, and I was I was trying to think, man, did I get all the way through Iron Man two without appreciating how great Sam Rockwell is? But Iron Man two came out in twenty ten, I believe. Yeah. Okay, phew. I'm safe. <laughs> well, there's a movie that I that I wanted to see with him in that I didn't see called, I think it's called the way back or is it the way, way back? That sounds very familiar. I think I know what you're talking about. Um, no, yep. It's the way, well, it's, there's a comma, the way, way back. Uh, and grammatically add the, the pause for the comma. That's something I remember seeing the trailer and it's like, Oh, I got to see that. Um, and I, have yet to see i am this recording this podcast i've become extremely disappointed in myself uh-huh. um and I'm, I'm gonna admit like i have a slight self-esteem hit on all these things that like i have not seen 
and I'm going to call in sick to for like a week at work and just watch movies. Not to keep harping on this one, but as somebody who streamed for four years and also had to go through this, like, wow, you've never seen this before, you get used to it. <laughs> Eventually, it just rolls right off you. <laughs> All right. So, anyways. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So, one last person. Don't have a lot to talk about, but as in researching and scrolling across, uh, again, I mentioned the issues of, of sources and reliability. Uh, Timothy Oliphant on one site was listed as a potential for Iron Man. Mm-hmm. He claims, uh, according to what I'm reading, he claims that he auditioned for the role the same day Robert Downey Jr. did. According to this, if he's asked about it, he says he's still waiting to hear back. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, and he's he's good. I didn't watch, I think, is it Justified? Mm-hmm. That he was in, uh, my wife loved it. Uh, I I didn't really give it a shot, a fair shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like I know his name was associated with it. Uh, but one of the more lesser known, as far as like what people would normally associate with a potential almost or what ifs. Mm-hmm. So you know, um, the the one that I'm most familiar with him is actually Live Free or Die Hard. Um, okay. I be- okay. He played the villain in that, and that's where I like I became introduced to him, and I loved him in that. Yeah, I'm most familiar never- with him from Scream. From what? Wasn't he in Scream? I've seen Scream, but I think that was before I paid attention to actors. Okay. So I don't know, but I was gonna say like I I haven't seen Justified, but I've seen enough clips. Strangely, I can kind of see him as Tony Stark. I think he could pull off the suaveness and the confidence, but. And again, I, I always, it, again, armchair quarterback, it, it, there's this weird nebulous quality that I can't describe that Robert Downey Jr. has that Timothy Oliphant doesn't. And it, and it just could be our bias of having seen Robert Downey Jr. for 10 years. But yeah, I can almost kind of see Timothy Oliphant in it. Yeah. Okay. I'll have to, I'll have to check out some Justified then. Yeah. I feel like I need to, too. I, I hear it's a really good show. So, you know what? I'm going to be completely honest. Uh, when we sat down to do this episode, um, we were going to do kind of a drive-by look where we just kind of talked about different actors that were almost going to be in the MCU. Uh, but something Jude and I are realizing is that we really uh, enjoyed this structure and we are going to potentially do another what if in the future. So we did have some 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 more characters and actors to talk about, but we're going to table those for now um, and uh, we'll, we'll do another episode on it at some point. Right. Uh... Cool. Which means it is time for our question of the week. Uh, Sticking with the theme of what this episode is, uh, Trey, this week's question of the week. Of the actors and actresses we've discussed so far, and you had to pick one to replace, to cast, who would it be? Oh, this is hard. Man, I... Because the one that comes to mind... And I hate it because I gave the reason why I also don't want it. But I think the easiest one to 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 do would to have Emily Blunt as Peggy Carter, just because over Black Widow. Over Black Widow, yeah, I would keep Scarlett okay. Johansson as Black Widow, just because we talked about how 
there was the high risk of if you got someone as busy as Emily Blunt was during that time frame that we right. would have had a potential recast. If she becomes Peggy Carter, she's kind of cornered off in her own little section of the MCU. So there's not as much demand as as unfortunate it is because I would love to see more Haley Atwell. And if we went into this alternate universe where Emily Blunt was Peggy Carter, I would have loved to have seen more Emily Blunt as well. But looking at the the actors that we've talked about, I think as far as like seeing them in the role the most and also the longevity of the franchise, I think Emily Blunt as Peggy Carter is the easiest solution for me. I would actually with Emily Blunt, I'd agree with you, Peggy Carter over Black Widow only because I... You know what? And it's weird. I don't know if I would have said this to Scarlett Johansson, you know, of like, hey, what if, if we imagine that flopped, the the, the flip-flop of them? Uh-huh. I just, the, the physicality of the role, mm-hmm. I don't know if I just see her doing that. Emily what Blunt? We see, yeah. Then you've never seen Live, Die Tomorrow, or Live, Repeat Tomorrow, whatever that title is. Well, I haven't. And the action movie I've seen her in was uh, Sicario. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, and so, yeah, so like I, yeah, so, so, yeah, I guess I just need to see that because like I just don't imagine it. And mm-hmm. I very much imagine her easily, easily doing a Peggy Carr. And nothing against Haley Atwell, just it, to, to your replacing, you know, she, she could do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, yeah, okay. So what about you? Of the actors or actresses that we talked about, which one could you see replacing? Honestly, I'm going to go I think with I Sam. Who? You, yeah, you said it. Sam Rockwell. <laughs> Sam Rockwell. Just because, man, I I just, as much as we given gave the reasons, given, jeez, as much as we gave the reasons of why, you know, and... And I'm not just trying to be bold and let's just replace RDJ. It's, I really like him and in, in the things that I've seen him in, I feel like he's good and has the range, mm-hmm. you know, that it would definitely be a different Tony Stark, but I still think a Sam Rockwell, Tony Stark would have been good if, if that makes sense. No, it does. And you picking that makes me think in this alternate universe, would we have gotten Robert Downey Jr. as Justin Hammer? You know How what? I'm, tra- I'm, I'm imagining him doing the dance. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just imagining not just the dance scene, but where he's introducing all the different um, potential weapons to Rhodey. Mm-hmm. And he starts talking about the, what is it, the ex-wife mm-hmm. or the, the Widowmaker or whatever. You know, or like, yeah, and just seeing Robert Downey Jr. could do that and make it really funny. God, that would be so good to imagine. I know it always becomes like the, the like rallying cry, like, oh, just make a Disney Plus show, which yeah. now that I say that, they are making a Disney Plus what if. <laughs> they are. They are. I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to come to, to, to get a chance to review that, uh, the what ifs. Yeah. Um, but we have our own what ifs and we'll continue uh, mm-hmm. with other characters. Yeah. Like we said, we really had a lot of fun kind of theorizing and speculating on what could have been. Uh, and this episode definitely got away from us a little bit. So we are going to be doing more of these. I think this was really fun and uh, hopefully you all enjoyed it as well. All right. Talking about getting away from us, what we didn't do at the beginning, uh, our call to action. So now 
that you've been to this, <laughs> listened to all those points of the episode. Uh, we'd really appreciate it if you get on and leave us a review, a rating. Um, and you can find us anywhere you get your podcast. It'd be super helpful for us to get this feedback uh, and sharing with friends in order to help grow this community and discussion. But yeah, if you have any comments that you'd like to share with us, or if you'd like to answer the question of the week of which actor or actress you would replace from this episode that we talked about, you can always reach us at MCU Need to Know on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you'd like to write us an email, MCU Need to Know at gmail.com. Uh, we'd also like to give a special thanks to Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. He's got a lot of great original music that you can find at his SoundCloud, which is linked in the description. But yeah, that is going to do it. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you so much for doing this, G. Thank you, Trey. And we'll see you all next week. You know what? I'm I'm, I'm imagining him doing the dance. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I'm just imagining RDJ... Doing that dance and doing why am I calling him RDJ? Jeez, what's what? You're on oh an initial my basis. Gosh. In fairness, it's eight thirty, and we've been we've been talking, not recording, uh-huh. but we've been talking for two hours now. Yeah. Um, and it's Friday. Um, so let me start that over. Go for it. I don't remember where the clean cut was. Okay, so. Okay. We just got yeah. our in tag, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did just get our in tag. Thank you. <laughs>